0: what our hearts long for to be overcome by your presence Lord your presence Lord there's nothing worth more that will ever shame us become
1: Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, and um, let's pray. Father, I pray this morning, as Lisa just sang, that we would be overwhelmed with your presence, that Father, we would want you more than your gifts and more than your blessings that we would experience the Holy Spirit as we worship here today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Matthew 6, we've been talking about pre-decide on Sunday mornings. And uh, we've talked about a couple of things so far. We've talked about, first of all, we want to pre-decide to be ready. Everybody say, I am ready. Yeah, ready about temptation. We're going to be ready when temptation comes. Satan's coming after you every day. But uh, Jesus is stronger than Satan is, greater is he that is in you, he's in the world, and so we move the line. Here's sin right here, we're going to move that line that we're going to cross way back over here. Then last week we talked about, I am going to be consistent. Everybody say, I'm consistent. I'm consistent. Yeah, consistent in the things that get me closer to God. We tend to overestimate what we can do in a day, but underestimate what we can do in a year. So it's consistency, you can't just do massive growth in a single day. But you can grow consistently uh, through the year closer to Christ. So today, look at Matthew 6.33 as we continue our series on pre-deciding. The idea behind pre-deciding is you, you make thousands of decisions every day, and your decision-making muscle gets tired. And the more you can pre-decide and take off your plate, I'm going to decide now what I'm going to do then. The more you can pre-decide, the better decisions you can make. So look at what Jesus told his followers, when they were worried about uh, clothes, what they're going to eat, how we are going to get their kids to soccer practice, well maybe not that, but you understand what I'm saying. They had all these things to worry about, think about. This is what Jesus told them. He said, uh, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things, all the things that you need, all the things that will fulfill your life, they're going to be added to you. You seek first and I'll add these things to you. One of the things that We've been doing each year for several years is encouraging people to choose one word. Ask God for a word to help you through the year. And uh, someone told me this week that they have a one word that goes really, really well with my message this morning. So if you'll just come on up and share your one word. Was it? It was me. I forgot. <laughs> it was me. I forgot about it. I forgot who it was. Yeah, it was me. And so uh, my one word this year is the word story. I plan to lie a lot. No, I'm not <laughs> My one word this, this year is story. And, uh, and here's where it comes from. The idea came from, I read this in a, in a, in a couple of books. The, the, the idea surfaced a couple of times in books I was reading. And here's the thing. What happens to you matters a lot. The story that you tell about what happens to you matters as much, if not more. You see, you need to, we have to frame things in a certain way. One of the things that really helps us as believers is to reframe things. If you have something uh, difficult, something hard, something that's unexpected happen to you, the story, the way you talk to yourself about that may be something like this. Man, of all the stupid breaks, of all the luck, I can't believe this has happened to me. Man, stuff never goes right for me. And you can tell your you can tell yourself that story. And that will profoundly impact your day. This is another story you can tell. You can also tell the story of when something bad, difficult, unexpected happens. That you can tell the story of God's going to use this to make me more like Jesus. God's going to use this to help me share Christ. With somebody else. God's going to use this to help me remember that he's always with me. God's going to use this to help me remember that I'm never alone no matter what happens to me. And God's going to use this to help me see how his strength is made perfect in my weakness. Now that is not only a story you can tell. If you're a Christian that's a true story. That's the real story of your life and whichever story you tell yourself Will greatly impact your life. Now, here's what really convicted me as I was praying about this this year, and it is this: somebody mentioned, "What? How did Jesus talk to himself? Because he talked to himself, right? He's a human being, so Jesus told himself stories about what happened in his life. He had things that he said to himself as life unfolded before him, and so I begin to think about what." story does Jesus tell himself and that's why I chose the one word story I'm trying to think how would Jesus talk to himself about what happened and he gives us some ideas the verses that God really used to help me here one is John 8 29 and John 8 29 the Bible says these are Jesus's words the one who sent me is with me now there's a story to tell right the one who sent me is with me so no matter what happens i can tell that story in john eight twenty nine. i can also say he has not left me alone for i always everybody say always. always i always do what pleases him and so i know the story jesus tells himself is i'm always going to do what pleases the father I'm, he's always with me and i'm always going to please him the other verse that god really used here Is John 5.30, the New International Version. Jesus said, by myself I can do nothing. Think about that. Jesus said, by myself I can do nothing. But he also says, I judge only as I hear. My judgment is just for I seek not to please myself but him who sent me. And so as I think about whatever happens in my life, I can say to myself, I'm not here to please myself, I'm here to please God. I can tell myself that story, and it's been helping me because here's what we want to remember. We're here, we're made, we're created for God's pleasure, and so we want to seek not to please ourselves, but to seek to please God, and it's really helping me. It's helping me. I'm not, you know, it's not helping me as much as it should, but it's helping me to learn to be more devoted to God in my everyday life. So here's your predecision today. I am predeciding. To be fully devoted to God. Anybody with me? All right, everybody say, I am I am predeciding to be fully devoted to Jesus. And here's the thing about that. Most people live with this idea of, Man, I, I wish life was a little more satisfying. I wish life was a little more fulfilling. Seems like there ought to be a little something else. I mean, I, I have this hobby, and that's pretty fun, but I have my marriage, and that's pretty cool, and these kids are all right sometimes. And, and I, have, I have this life, and I just think, boy, if I could earn a little more, if I could achieve a little more, if I could get a different group, group of friends or get a different job, or if, I could, if something would change, it, I think I would be more fulfilled. Life just isn't as satisfying, just it's as fulfilling as I thought it would be. There's going to be some guys tonight. That'll win the Super Bowl. Some of them are going to wake up tomorrow and think, did not all I thought it was going to be. You hear that testimony all the time. They, they, they win the Super Bowl and they think, I, I thought it would mean more. I thought it was going to be a little bit different for this. And I got good news for you. There is something more to life than what you achieve or what you get or the people that you know, and that is this. You can have a very real, close, everybody say close, growing relationship with Jesus. Only Jesus can satisfy you completely. And the thing here is, Jesus said, if you seek me first, I'll add the stuff to you that is fulfilled. Doesn't mean your life gets perfect. Doesn't mean you never have problems. Doesn't mean you never feel empty inside. But Jesus is saying, I can fulfill your life like nobody can. Why? He made you. He made you. Listen, guys. Jesus is the smartest person who ever lived. Right? And he chose live his life to please his father. Now if Jesus is the smartest guy and he is that ever lived and he chose to live his life to please his father, how are we going to improve on that? And we try to every week. Most of us do, don't we? Try to live kind of half-hearted. I'll be kind of half-hearted committed to Christ, but I'm really going to do my thing over here. And I'm going to give this part of my life to Jesus because it's a mess, but I'm going to keep my part of it over here. And what we're saying is I think I can outdo Jesus on this life thing. the Christ who made us knows how we tick. And so we want to predecide to seek God first, to be fully devoted to him no matter what else or anything else that happens. Jesus said in Matthew 6, seek what? First. Everybody say first. first. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Now, I, I want to ask you a question. We're going to dig into this in a minute. Is that you? Are you seeking God first? For real. I mean, for real. I know the church answer. The church answer is yes, Brother Barry. Seeking God first. Got you. Check mark. But I'm going to ask you a question. Is he the first person you talk to when you wake up in the morning? The last person you think about when you go to bed at night? As you face decisions during your day, do you consider what would please him above anybody else? As you talk to people through your day, are you considering what Christ wants you to say and not what they want you to hear? Do you talk to him? Have you talked to him since the service started this morning? I mean, you could go to church and not talk to Jesus, not have a real relationship with Jesus. Is, what mo- is what's most important to you knowing Jesus? We sang that this morning, knowing you, Jesus. Is that really it is it to love Jesus the most important thing to you for real? Is to please Jesus, to honor Jesus? Is that really the most important thing in your life? And so here's the thing. I will seek the one. Listen, I'm going to seek first the one who matters most. That's a good word, isn't it? Craig Rochelle wrote that, by the way. I didn't. I will seek first the one who matters most most, if we could all excuse me, I'm going to sneeze <laughs> if we could all get that anchored down in our heart I'm going to seek first, every day, every moment as much as I can, the one who matters most, who could matter more than God so I'm going to talk about just simply two things this morning <laughs> excuse me, I don't remember the last time I sneezed during in a sermon I really don't so um, we're going to talk about two things this morning, all right? First of all, an honest inspection. An honest inspection. What I mean by that, I want us to take for real, be for real this morning about how devoted we really are to Jesus. The word devoted means loyal. The word devoted means committed. How committed, how loyal, how much in love are we really with Jesus? So an honest inspection, I of the church answer, yeah, I'm, I'm fully devoted to Christ, but we don't live that way all the time. So I want to fully look at this. What does it mean to be fully devoted to Jesus? We get some hints. We get some hints from his early followers. Uh, many of them were fully devoted to Christ. They weren't perfect. They messed up a lot, but they weren't uh, and they weren't perfect. But you can look at Acts chapter two, verse forty-two. In Acts chapter two, verse forty-two, you can see what these early guys were committed to. They were they're fully devoted to Christ. Here's how you tell. Here's the things that helped them become more devoted to Christ to help them love Christ more, to help them know Christ more. Look what it says. They devoted. They committed themselves. They were loyal to what? The apostles' teaching. That's God's Word. They were loyal to fellowship, to have Christian friends that helped each other be more devoted to Christ. Okay? It's not just going to church. That's good. It's not just going to church afterwards and eating cookies and Kool-Aid. That's good. But he's talking about people that help each other get closer to Christ, the breaking of bread, that's eating together, and the Lord's Supper, okay, and the prayer. So that's what he's talking about. Now, watch this. What we devote ourselves to primarily is God. These things help us know God better. That's a difference, okay? There's a difference there. We can look at these things and say, man, I'm going to read my Bible, and I'm going to go to church. And I'm gonna go to the Sunday school, and I have some Christian friends. And man, my my life's gonna be more enjoyable. I'm gonna enjoy myself. I'll have. I'll be happier. I'll be more joyful. That's not the idea. The idea I do these things so that I know God better. I was listening to a podcast this week, and um, this guy had his wife on the podcast, and she um and she said something, and it hit me as she said it. And she used to be a a, a model. And then she married this guy, she stopped the modeling um, uh, profession, uh, raised her kids, raised her family. She's recently wrote a book, and uh, she was talking on the podcast, they were talking to this guy about um, um, apprehension, fear, that kind of stuff. And she was talking to this guy, and she said, you know, I used to be a model, I used to be on the runway, all that kind of stuff, and I really didn't get all that nervous, but now it makes me nervous. I'm speaking about this book and I'm speaking in front of crowds and I get, I get, I get nervous, I get upset, and I get, my breathing gets too fast and all that. And he was talking about meditation and prayer and, and she said, you know what, that's what I've missed. That's why I'm so nervous. I've not been meditating and praying like I used to and I need to get back to that so my nerves won't affect me so much. And I thought, you're using God as a means to an end. The reason you pray, it's not self nerves. That's byproduct. It's not so I can do better when I speak. Byproduct. The idea is not that. I mean, there was no mention of God in her testimony. No mention of I've gotten further away from God. I'll do these practices and it'll help me in my profession. What I'm saying is not devoted to the practices for practice sake, but devoted to things that will help me know God. Better, help me love God more. I've been reading a book by a, guy, uh, by a lady named Faith Yuri Cho. and The book says, Not a Friendship with God. This is what she says. And she's been involved in church all of her life. She's on church staff. She said, we can spend hours at church, have Christian friends, consume Christian resources, while never interacting with him. Well, I love this. Let's not trade God for the things of God. And that is easy to do. Come here and go to Sunday school, listen to the songs, listen to the sermon. But are you talking to Jesus during this time? Are you listening for his voice as we sang the songs this morning where you say, Man, Lord God, I am so glad I can joyful, joyful adore you. Lord, there is no one like you. I'm going to build my life upon you, Lord. You can sing those songs as a prayer just listen to him That's really a cool song. I really love that song. I don't like that song so much. But I really love that song. It's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about being fully devoted to God, fully devoted to Jesus. Let me ask you a question. What are modern day Christians, modern day cultural Christians devoted to? It'd be interesting to know. I'm not, I'm not talking about you personally. I'm just talking about generally what modern day Christians are devoted to. Uh, I was listening to Craig Rochelle talk about this and he wrote Acts two forty two, what he calls the modern Christian version. This is what he said it would say: They devoted themselves to themselves. How true is that? about them? They devoted themselves to themselves. You know, here's the thing, guys. If we devote ourselves, and, and, and you can use God. Man, if I go to church, I can advance my business. If I go to church, I make some good friends. If I go to church, I'll feel better about myself. I go to church, I can let my kids get some good morals, and maybe they won't get involved in alcohol. Maybe they won't get involved in drugs. Maybe they won't end up pregnant before they get married. And that's that's good, and that maybe that'll help, but that's not the point. The point is, we are eternal beings, and we need God more than anybody or anything else, are we seeking God first? Uh, the words that Acts uh, talks about when it says they devoted themselves, it's in a tense called the imperfect tense, which means they were continually devoting themselves. Man, I need to devote myself to God today. I need to devote myself to God tomorrow. And the next, that's why Jesus said, take up your cross how often? Daily and follow me daily and follow me. I, I think sometimes as we devote ourselves to ourselves, what we really devote ourselves to is what makes us happy. We really devote ourselves to what makes us more comfortable, what makes us feel better about ourselves. Sometimes we devote ourselves to what makes us financially prosperous, what makes us popular, what makes us like. And there's probably a couple that's trying to devote themselves to make them tick-tock famous. <laughs> but uh, listen, guys, modern-day Christians too often... Have the idea that, man, I want to go to a good school, get a good job that I'm really passionate about and really fulfills me, marry somebody really cute, have some really nice, well-behaved kids, make a gob of money, be able to travel and go places I really want to go, and then retire very, very comfortably. That's what our culture is devoted to, and if we're not careful as Christians, that's what we'll be devoted to, and that's all about yourself. Are we devoted to Jesus first? Think about it this way. Just imagine there was a line up here that was 168 inches long, 168 inches long, broke up into inches, okay? Now, the reason why we're going to break our line up into 168 inches is that's how many hours a week that you have, 168. So let's suppose what do we, what do, we do with our time? Our time kind of gives us a little bit of an idea of how we're, what we're devoted to. And so about a third of that will be sleep. How many of you love a good sleep? Say amen. That's good for you. You need a good sleep, right? It's good for you. Your your brain functions better. You're nicer. Uh, Sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do when you're yelling at your family is go take a nap. (laughs) You're wore out, all right? You need a nap. So about a third of the time, you're asleep. That's good. About a third of the time, you're at work or school, okay? That's good. You need to do those kind of things. And so that that leaves you about 56 flexible hours after you eat and sleep and go to work. So that fifty-six extra hours, you got to run the taxi service for your children, right? So you got small children. You got to go to soccer and ball and dance and recital and and all that kind of stuff. So you got to do all that kind of stuff. Uh, also, you got to do your yard work. You know, you got to do your housework. You gotta go to Walmart. You gotta go to the doctor. You gotta call your parents. You gotta do, and so you do all that kind of stuff, and you're left with maybe I don't know 39 hours or something like that a week. Social, the average social media user, if you're on social media, the average personal social media is on there 17 hours a week. 17 hours a week, and so you get 17 hours a week. You do all your stuff, all that kind of. Stuff. So let's just say we boiled it all down. We got one hour left. Got busy lives, right? Everybody's busy. I think it's kind of become a badge of honor. How are you? Busy. Yeah, I'm busy, man. You ought to really think a lot of me because I'm so busy. I'm so important. There's so much to do. And so we got one hour left. What are we going to do that one hour? Man, I, don't know. I got one hour left. What can I do with it? Well, I can, you know, maybe spend another hour on social media, something like that. Oh, 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 oh I'm a Christian. That's my God hour. I'm going to give that one hour to God. Go to church one hour. Now, I know a lot of you give more than one hour to God some don't give that much. You can go to church and not have given this hour to God. And and, and I don't want to make you feel guilty, man. I, I got to work, do all this stuff. You can go to work and be fully devoted to Christ and give all that time to God while you work. So I'm not I'm not saying you know feel guilty because you're busy, got these things to do, and and you don't give as many hours to God as you give to work. That's impossible. We can't do that. But what I'm talking about is. As we live our lives, are we taking our everyday walking around life and devoting that to God? Here's the thing. If you give one hour to God a week, it's not going to make a huge difference. Think about it. If you exercise one hour a week, you're not going to lose a lot of weight. I'm sorry. If you give one hour a week to your marriage, I've got a good counselor for you. It's not me. If you give one hour a week uh, to your studying, probably not going to graduate with honors from Alabama, Auburn, or Troy. If you give one hour a week uh, to eating, but be- here's the thing, you're not going to give an hour a week to something and be fantastic at it. And, and, and if you want to grow closer to God, you need to pre-decide that He is the most important person in your life because this doesn't happen accidentally. You're not going to accidentally wake up one day and say, Dude, I know so much about the Bible I never thought I'd know. You're not going to accidentally wake up one day and say, Man, I'm such a prayer warrior. I never realized how much I pray these days. You're not going to accidentally wake up one day and have great Christian godly friends that you help and and they help you. It's not going to happen accidentally, if that's all, if all we do is take an hour a week to go to church or an hour a week to do something for God and we neglect Him the rest of the time, it's no wonder we're lukewarm. And it's no wonder we're apathetic. And it's no wonder we don't have any influence for Christ in our, in our culture. It's no wonder we're unfulfilled in life. Listen, guys, it's not accidental. We need to pre-decide today to say I'm going to be fully devoted to Jesus. What's the result? Look at Acts chapter 2, verses 43 to 45. Everyone was filled with awe. At the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. What happened? They saw God do way more than they could do on their own. God fulfilled their lives. God fulfilled their church. Why? Was it because they were super spiritual, super talented, they had a lot of money? They they, they Took Jesus seriously, and they sought first, not second, not last, but first the kingdom of God. Second thing, first of all, an honest introspection. Secondly, a heartfelt implementation. In other words, we honestly inspect our heart. We ask the Holy Spirit, "Would You show me? Am I am I half-hearted here? Am I fully devoted to something else?" Can, you can, as I said, you can be fully devoted to Christ. In your marriage, at your home, in your hobbies and all that, I'm not talking about you have to mass a bunch of hours. I'm talking about heart. And then a heartfelt implementation. If we pre-decide to be fully devoted to Christ, how do we actually make that a part of our life? Jesus helps us with this over in John chapter 15. Look at verse 1 and verse 4. John chapter 15, verse 1 and 4, the New International Version. Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. And so Jesus in this parable says, He's the vine, we're the branches. Now if you're a branch, your most important thing you can do, stay attached to the vine. Okay? If you get severed from the vine... You die if you stay attached to a vine that's held. The life source comes to the vine. And so if we want to stay fruitful, we want to stay close, we got to be connected. That's talking to God. That's living with God. That's living with an awareness of God. That's wanting to please God. That's staying connected, remain. The word abide in me is what Jesus said. So we want to look to say, take the, the practices of our life, our everyday walking around life, and say, Jesus, how do I Remain in you. And if you are, look what happens in John 15, 5. I am the vine, you're the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear what? Much fruit. And we know what the fruit of the Spirit is, right? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Is that kind of the kind of thing you want in your love? I don't know anybody would say, man, I don't really want any more love in my life, i am love. At peace thing man I am so peaceful I couldn't stand another inch of it <laughs> I'm more joyful than I know I couldn't stand myself without any more joy and don't even get me with patience man you couldn't shake my patience for the world <laughs> amen or oh <old> me <laughs> that's an oh me right there isn't it yeah yeah self-control got all self. man I'd never do anything <laughs> see, see these are the fulfilling things these are the things we want in our life and so we go after the patience but the key thing is, you stay connected to Jesus. Now, there's a word in this, in these, few, in these first six verses that's mentioned eleven times. If you got a word that's mentioned eleven times in six verses, it's important, right? So I'm going to see if you can pick it out. We're going to we're not going to do all six verses; just verse four, and see if you can pick out which word keeps showing up. If you can't, you go into remedial Christian people. Remain in me as also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Anybody got the word yet? Yeah, everybody got it. Nobody has to go to remedial class. Yeah. Yes, yeah, the word remain. It's the word abide. It means connected. Stay in touch with. So, how do you stay in touch with? With Jesus, Well, first of all, I would encourage you to do two things. One, start your day with it. Start your day with him. Have a, a long time with God. Predecide your time, your place, and your study. What you're going to do, what you're going to read from the Bible. Predecide your time. If you don't, if you say, tomorrow, I'm going to spend a long time with God, and it's going to be fantastic, and I'm going to do it when I get a break and nothing else is going on. You're not going to do it. <laughs> right? Something's always going to be in the way. You pre-decide when is it going to be? It's going to be first thing. It's going to be at your lunch hour. You pre-decide it. You pre-decide a place. It is not while you're watching TV. <laughs> it is not while you're riding in the car with your family. It's not while you're at the basketball game, okay? You need it in a long time. If you can, you're not a doctor or nurse or you're not on call, silence your phone, turn it off. Give Jesus undivided attention so you start your day you have a long time with god but then as you live your day you just talk with him and relate to him all through the day you thank him for things you talk to him you listen to him you you try to interact with him so here's your weekly growth suggestion okay Carefully consider this question have you predecided to be fully devoted to jesus be honest and real about living a with god everybody say with god that's what I'm talking about now. You're living with God, okay? Tell God when you're frustrated. Tell God when you're sad. Tell God when you're happy. Every instance of your life, you try to offer it to God. I know you'll miss some opportunities. I missed some yesterday. Missed some the day before. But it's the it's direction of your heart, okay? And then pray for divine appointments for our Hopewell family. By the way, I asked you to pray for divine appointments last week. I've heard of several already this week. There's been some cool things that God's doing. With divine appointments, so continue praying uh, for those divine appointments. So see, we spend time with God, and you know it might not be a, it you know might be a cool thing to try. What might be a cool thing to try is when you have your prayer time in the morning, and you spend some time with God. Instead like of predecide what you what you what you're going to study, don't just flip to the Bible and say, "Thou shalt not boil a kid in its mother's milk." By the way, that verse has been in my quiet time twice this last week. <laughs> Now, it's not the only verse I've read. I've read three chapters, but that that's like wow, how about that? I'm gonna make sure I don't think I've ever committed that sin. <laughs> one of them. See that's the thing about those verses, you can say, Got that one. I got this one verse. Did anybody ever say, Is there any verse she really obeyed well? I have not ever boiled a baby goat in its mother's milk. I'm good. So you 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 live a with God a with God life. So so the thing that I wanted was about to encourage you to do is maybe when you have your long time with God and your quiet time comes to an end, maybe you just don't say Amen. I don't thank you for this time together. Now let's see what happens. Cause we say Amen when it means what? Well, we're done praying, and now we're going to live our life. Maybe just don't say Amen. All right, Lord, what do you want me to wear today? What? Uh, what's my plan for the day? Help me as I drive. Man, you know what kind of goofballs are out right here on this road, but Lord, protect me as I drive to work today. And just live it with God. So we're going to predecide. I am going to be fully devoted. If I say fully devoted. Fully devoted to Jesus. I'm going to live with and for him. It's a predecision. So I want you to watch a one-minute video. Nick Foles is a retired professional quarterback. Actually, well, a Super Bowl winner one year for the Philadelphia Eagles, strong, strong Christian. And uh, Nick had grown up in church, and a lot of church things. But I want you to hear, Nick, just a minute, 15 seconds of how Nick talks about a time when he became fully devoted to Christ. Jesus.
2: I grew up in a Christian household, going to church almost every Sunday, and then I even went through confirmation in high school and crossed the T's and dyed the I's. You know, I knew who God was, but there was not that relational aspect. Until day, my freshman year of college, there was a month where both my grandmothers passed away. I'm in Michigan, I'm from Texas. I had just had my right shoulder surgically repaired, was lonely, was isolated, and God brought me to my knees at a moment. I was in a parking garage, it was nighttime, I just started crying. I was hurting so bad. And at that moment, you know, all those moments in church and growing up, I realized that, you know, I hadn't really given my life to Christ. And in that moment, I said a prayer to God, just saying, like, God, I don't know why these things are happening. I know that, like, I don't have the confidence or strength right now, but I'm gonna do whatever it takes. I'm, I pray that I glorify you through my actions and I wanna walk through life with you. And in that moment, that's where I gave my life to Christ. The journey begins and there's gonna be ups and downs, but I've always had Christ to walk right by my side and the word of God to guide me. So that was the best day of my life.
1: Said, i love what he said i'm going to live my life with you and whatever happens i'm going to glorify you would you stand please, with heads bowed and eyes closed the greatest decision of your life is to make that decision to give your life to jesus to trust him as your personal lord and savior and then to live life with him to be fully devoted to him lord you're the most important person in my life, my thoughts, uh, the choice of songs I listen to, the choice of friends I have, the choice of people I date, the choice of places I go, the choice of entertainment. Uh, Lord, you, you're you more important than anything else. I want to seek first the one who matters most. So, Father, I pray to speak to each one of us this morning as we contemplate this thought. Help us, Lord, to see what it truly means to seek first you and your kingdom, your righteousness. And trust God. Look forward to the fulfilling things you're going to add uh, to our lives. Help us not to seek you for the stuff, but because you're worthy. As Lisa plays.